Welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rugg. I'm going to be taking a look at Alan Moore's Marvel Masterpiece today, Jimmy. But first, got to give you guys a heads up that we have a Patreon uh, that you can support to keep the channel going. And the King Kayfabers on our Patreon are watching us stream our recording session live, uh, privately. And they get access to all the videos that we record before anybody else completely mitigates the kayfabe effect. Um, but the videos are also brought to you by the comic books that we make uh, before you. You see a healthy sampling of our bibliography. Red Room is out there. Two, two tray paperbacks of that. Here are the covers for the next uh, Red Room comic. Here's the first cover. Here's the second cover. Jimmy's variant cover. And we're going to do a sketch cover for that first issue. Uh, there is Hip Hop Family Tree celebrating its 10-year anniversary. Uh, there are four volumes of that out there. But forthcoming, there is going to be the Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus Collection. Thank you guys so much for supporting that uh, in such a big way. Three volumes, X-Men Grand Design and WYSIWYG. Jimmy has Street Angel Princess of Poverty coming to you uh, sooner than later. Uh, it is a great companion piece for Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive, and both books will comprise of the entire bibliography of Jimmy's Street Angel comics. Plain James is out there, and of course, the fantastic Incredible Hulk Grand Design tre uh, Treasury Edition is out there for you to get your hands on at this very moment. Support our books, keep these videos going, and without further ado, let's take a look through these issues of uh, X-Men Archive, right? You put, print X-Men real big. Uh, Captain Britain. These are the Captain Britain comics that Alan Moore wrote with Alan Davis doing the drawing chores on the thing. And uh, one of the remarkable aspects to this series is that Alan Moore was writing and making these comics with Alan Davis in tandem with Warrior Magazine uh, doing... V for Vendetta, and most notably uh, Marvel Man, known in the States as Miracle Man. So uh, one of the things that I wanted to sort of show off while looking at this is just keeping those tonal ideas in mind because it shows, it shows Alan Moore's chops as a writer because it is far different in so many ways than uh, his work in Miracle Man, though in some ways it explores some of the same themes. Yeah, it, you can definitely see him taking on superheroes in a way that isn't just in Miracle Man and Captain Britain, but even like Watchmen and stuff. You know, like it's it's definitely. Uh, I feel like he has a perspective on superheroes that's pretty consistent throughout his body of work. Yeah, what he does with it may vary a little bit, but it's definitely this idea of like how do those things exist in a in a real world. There are parts of this comic where I feel like he forgets which comic he's working on. The name Miracle Man is said several times. Yes. Uh, there are these villainous uh, V for Vendetta like bad guys who are, you know, the grand oppressors and stuff. Uh, some of the themes that he explores elsewhere are certainly here. And uh, I won't go so far as to say this is a revisionist superhero comic, but within it's the first close. two stories, Captain Britain fully gets killed. This is Captain Britain right here. So once we get to this strip called A Rag, A Bone, A Hank of Hair, which shows up in issue one of a comic called Daredevil. So this is issue one of something new. Uh, the characters of Merlin and Roma, who, uh, for those playing at home, man, she is the one that uh, sends the X-Men through the Siege Perilous to Australia. Uh, 
they are literally rebuilding uh, Captain Britain. Yes. Yeah, Rome is rebuilding his physical body while Merlin is putting together his soul. <laughs> I love it and because the thing about that is now we get this uh, origin story to catch everybody up to speed while Merlin is implanting memories, thoughts, and ideas into the Captain Britain brain that's warehouse inside this uh, skull. So it's catching everybody up to speed, and it's, you know, issue one. Look at the, the Alan Davis art, and it's real interesting. In the very first issue, Alan Davis writes the intro and talks about this as like a job, like his first paying comics gig, you know, like he had a full-time job working, I think, loading trucks or something. Yeah. And this was totally a side gig where like he considered his art a hobby, uh, but it was a real boon to actually get paid for it, especially at a time when comics were considered like, you know, very second rate kind of a joke. And certainly in Britain. Yes. And, uh, and, he, and he says all that in the intro, you know, I'm not putting words in his mouth here, but it's interesting to see his development too. Yeah. Like there's a, there's a great energy in these comics that comes with that youthful exuberance. And, and he's getting, uh, you know, this is a drawing job on rails with voluminous amounts of text from Alan Moore describing what should go in each scene. So Alan Moore is setting you up to uh, compose beautiful pages and, and get enough story across. How much of a bitch would it have been to draw the OG Captain Britain having to draw a lion? Not only panel? that, I don't know that we're talking about Captain Britain if this is his costume. Yeah. Because I remember getting those Marvel Universe books, you know, like like early, first year of reading comics. Right. And I'd just go through and look at all the characters and who looked cool and, and stuff. And it was like, Captain Britain was such a cool looking character. Totally. In the redesign, in the, in the costume that we're seeing here by Alan Davis. Yeah. You know, like, that costume is amazing, and that original costume, what a dud. Yeah, yeah, that was Herb Trimpey and Chris Claremont. Uh, and, you know, Chris Claremont and Trimpey, they, they established a lot of the characters that we're playing around with here. And if you're a longtime kayfaber and you watched our video on the uh, Jim Lee X-Men trading cards, we're cutting promos on all the Excalibur characters. <laughs> These are all the ones that you're going to see yeah. in here. Saturnine and... Megan, go go back one page. Like when they're giving him life, look at the cartoony expression on his face. Those giant cartoon eyeballs. Totally love it, and and a great like overall effect. And even the panel border being that jagged starburst, fantastic. This is episodic comics in the same way that the Miracle Man ones uh, were. And and man, now that I'm thinking about it, the trajectory is even the same, because you get maybe seven page deals, uh, just like you did with the Miracle Man stuff to start. And then when Miracle Man comes to America and gets full issues worth of uh, material, the story gets to expand in like later issues. It is so dense in the beginning. It's good that you note that, you know, because I think some of those early ones might even be five pages. Right. Look, look at that, man. Uh, I think Al Alan Moore said he turned into a magician when he, when he was 40, but I think there might be some evidence that, that he was a uh, kayfabe in himself pretty could, early. Could be destiny. Could be destiny <laughs> there. Uh, but this story is the one where they're rebuilding uh, Captain Britain and, you know, one page is bones, the next page is some musculature, the next page is a little something else, where uh, the Alan Moore script and the design of the pages is divorced from, like, almost anything else you would see in an issue of 2000 AD or this Daredevil's comic. It all seems very um, regimented and clear, and he's playing with different structures in every strip. And if you just go through old 2000 ADs, yeah. you could always find the Alan Moore one without even seeing the damn Night Nocturne. 
is there any is there any combination of story and art that you can do that makes Night Nocturne successful? I am going to sleep. <laughs> That's a rough name to overcome. Such a good costume. Look, it's a helmet. He tell yeah, that helmet's really cool. There's some good shots of Captain Britain throughout this where it's like it feels very 3D. Yeah. That three quarters view. Look at this for for again fun drawing. You know, just pushing that boundary. He tells a story though with the costume variants that they had basically he had drawn this costume. You know, they needed a new costume. He he liked it, was happy with it, and then I think Jim Shooter gets involved and he wants to see some other costume designs. <laughs> so then Alan Davis is trying to draw lame designs, right? <laughs> so as not to lose the costume that he likes. And it is an iconic costume. Like I uh, got those Marvel Universe Series Two cards, right? And they were just like rife with these patriotic type characters. You had your Captain Britain. You had U.S. Agent. Yeah, that was another one I liked. How much does this feel like? You know, you mentioned 2000 A.D. Like flipping through it, it feels like this is not your house style, Marvel house style. Like this no. feels like that U.K. Well, I'm going to say 2000 AD. You know, I don't know what else I would compare it to in that regard, but it has that feeling. Well, maybe maybe Miracle Man, you yeah, know, something like that. But it feels like that British, I don't know, it has that flavor. They never figured out lettering uh, over there, man. Like, look at how those words bump up against the balloons and stuff like that. Like, that's just awful. Yeah, there's a lot of inconsistency in the lettering. It, it looks like, it, and sometimes on the same page, it looks like multiple hands involved, but different sizes and things. You see stuff like the Big Ben and all that, like you can't help but think of uh, Miracle Man in a way. And the story builds up to an epic battle where there is tons of destruction and characters getting killed, maimed, yes. all kinds of stuff like like you would see in you know Miracle Man 15. It makes me really curious like to have an overlap of like when are these actually done? Because yeah. at some point, like Alan Davis is drawing Miracle Man. Is, yeah. he, is it the same? Is there overlap? Like, right. are these guys going back and forth in a monthly assignment between these two sets of characters? At the time of these being constructed, it would be Gary Leach doing the Miracle Man stuff. But they are part and parcel coming out at the same exact time. That's the noteworthy piece because it it, it just shows the chops uh, that Alan Moore has on display. Uh, these Marvel comics. The, this is a job. Uh, this is an assignment that he happened into, and it's on rails with characters that he does not own, nor does he necessarily want to start to invent a bunch of new guys for uh, for Marvel. So it is a Marvel comic, but the imagination that he's able to put into here, just like that earlier story where they're rebuilding Captain Britain, nobody else would have done something like that at, at the time. Yeah, it's very peculiar. Makes you wonder where that even comes from. Because now it feels like, oh yeah, this idea of like AI and longevity and saving our consciousness and stuff, right. kind of there's a place for it. I don't know about like 1982. Arcade shows up uh, the in the early Chris Claremont, Herb Trimpey joints. Uh, I think Arcade showed up in, in those comics. So uh, more still doing what he does, man. Reading entire runs of things, trying to figure out like the pieces and bits that work for him. That's AD. That's 2000 AD lettering right there. Yeah, did Tom Frame do that piece? Actually, this whole piece kind of looks like him. It does. I wonder if he does letters. Yeah, I know. I gotta look now. No. <laughs> I just got these these B-lister ass characters. Yeah, it's really strange. But then you get these great, you know, like Davis is good from from early on. Like you know, he gets interesting really quick. Yeah, it's true. Look at that Motley crew right there, man. 
That looks like an Avengers lineup from the 90s. <laughs> but there would be uh, certain goofball characters that would show up, like those weird aliens in, in the Miracle Man comics. When you see bits like this, that feels like the V for Vendetta energy. There's all kinds of stuff. Like, look at how he's cutting artwork up in, in that panel background. Yeah. Very inventive. That's the stuff I'd be curious to see what the script says. Totally. Now, this is a funny issue right here because there's some real stuff on display the fun the other fun thing about these the these sort of serialized smaller strips where you get three or four stories per issue is you get to see the various ways that Moore starts out each strip with a bang in some in some fashion are these like the frog dudes from the old uh, hulk comics that's a good question they look like them yeah and, and one of the MacGuffin characters that, that carries on throughout is this Fury character. Just think of him as your doomsday. It made me, it made me think, like, what, what a uh, Death of Superman could have been from, like, an Alan Moore in a way, man. Because this is your doomsday character that is kind of on it's the a, hunt for Captain Britain the entire time. That's a great call. Whenever I saw it, like, I went right to 1963. Yeah. The Fury, you know, like, let's use that name some more. Totally. You have your, like, multiverse of Captain Britons, which starts to make you think about Moore's love of Superman and Supreme, how he would play with those kinds of Mort Weisinger tropes. So you got a whole bunch of those. And I wonder if, in fanboy speak, I might get this wrong, but like the the modern Marvel time frame where it's like Earth 616 or something, that's coined in here. Like oh, wow. they, they talk about that in here when they talk about all the different... Uh, Captain Britons that exist in different space times and they call out several different earths and I wonder if it all comes from Alan Moore I love that they include the covers. Yeah, like that's great. a nice a nice choice in these reprints You know, what's wild is you think of all like the multiverse stuff in Marvel nowadays like right. in their uh, Especially in the cinematic universe. Yes, unbelievable But I think of like DC and all their crisis and trying to clean up right. all of their multiversity and it's sort of like now Marvel successful is moving in that direction, which we've seen DC working on trying to like fix for 50 years. Right. You're going to open that can? I linger here, ladies and gentlemen, because Unbelievable. it's like Alan Moore got confused completely because it's Miracle Man. It's Miracle Man. It's a blonde guy with the same outfit. They call him Miracle Man. Now he was Marvel Man in the damn Warrior comics. Alan Davis will draw Miracle Man comics. Uh, Miracle Man becomes a Marvel character some years later. Like, this might be Exhibit A of Alan Moore as Magician. I was going to say, like, you start planning this stuff. That, that's what you would hear, like, magicians talk about doing, right? <laughs> like, like, this is some kind of sigil or something. There's, there's whole, like, conspiracy theories about the Berenstain Bears, Mandala effects, and multi-universes. Wild. And, and equally wild this character and its design and the whole look. And even these are printed on newsprint. Yeah, it's great. That, yeah, that Miracle Man piece though, that, that was that was worth the price of admission to, to get a video. See, we got our Earth 238 shits, Earth 616, Earth 920. So he's not sh shying away from the, the multi-Earth stuff. He even got like these symbols, I'm sure, this Celtic knot or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> probably has something to do with the multiverse. Yeah, it's a pretty strange comic to revisit now. All the aliens and things that populate it. It's it doesn't a, feel like a Marvel comic. No, it feels like the best 
that of like a silver age dc that, that money could buy or something um but it is continuous lush imagination uh alan moore acknowledging like i am playing with superhero tropes here and 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 you could do anything down to having like a howard cosell you know i i think this is like parody maybe people's court was brand new uh when whenever this came out then we sort of got to start to build in our uh sort of savior character by the way call for superhero legislation right i mean clip it out and paste that into watchman totally there are these moments where i'm like did did we miss something uh because the one strip to the next a whole lot of stuff will happen yes you know like you go from one strip to the next and now there's like internment camps for mutants and superheroes and i'm like what the fuck just happened here yeah i feel like what you see there is that idea of like moore's writing an ongoing serial and after seven chapters he had this idea so fold it in there yeah let's keep running with it and he built a bunch of these characters in now he's got them all in the same room Oh man, go back one. Look at this weird effect of having two panels next to each other. I think of Ivan Brunetti talks about animation of having same size characters in, in subsequent panels, but it's so weird to look at considering what this story is of like multiple versions and dimensions of right. these characters. Love all this extra stuff. So good to have these kind of inclusions into uh, the comic. Doesn't a lot of John so, Byrne. I was going to say that. That looks so John Byrne-ish right there. Yeah, a lot of John Byrne there. It's worth noting, too, like, Alan Moore doesn't want this reprinted, you know, at some point early in his career. And it creates a real problem with Alan Davis. Like, that's something that's come up over the decades. It's that, that risk of the creator, you know, who owns what, and you're doing collaborations, and it's a risk. Not even accounting for, like, Marvel being, like, the third dance partner in that circle. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, but, it, but it does feel kind of silly to think that you have any say in that. Uh you know, in, in Marvel reprinting something they own or not. Certainly capitalizing off of your name. Uh, once this Fury shows up, it gets pretty radical um, when you have Merlin, Roma, and they're kind of playing a chess game against this other bad guy entity. Uh, and you can see it right there where they're moving chess pieces almost as the real world battle is, is going on. And then new pieces are emerging. A lot of magic in here. A lot of magic stuff. I go back and forth on the Fury design. Like, there's some stuff here that looks really cool. And, and getting, like, a close-up of his face, I kind of... Or its face, I kind of like it because it's just... Nothing looks like that. Yeah. You know, like, there's little humanoidal elements. But overall, it's like, this is a very uniquely designed character. Um, maybe generic. Maybe functional. Kind of a neat thing, though. Yeah. I, I like the comparison to Doomsday. characters are just getting decimated by this thing the fury the whole deal with the fury uh and it's that one of those great superhero comic things where the alan moore build to the fury is this guy stops at nothing to accomplish his task it's never ending and his job is to like wipe out superheroes yep. or something captain britain is is on his mind he will not stop until he uh he takes care of everybody uh so what do you do with that you know, it's a great build over a bunch of issues, which is like the Doomsday thing. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, that part. When Captain Britain shows up, and it's the beginning of the story, shows up in this universe that is all superheroes have been wiped out. And whenever he shows up, it's like, uh-oh, fire up the fury again. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great ending, and it is canceled. 
So it's almost like the second death of Ca Captain Britain in the Alan Moore run. But we have our final giant big battle with the sort of bad guy telepath dude and Captain Britain and his people. And it's earth shattering. Stuff is being done. They drive the Fury down into like Earth's core or something, which is that stuff that we talk about with the kayfabers out there who are working on their various Death of Superman comics. The fact that like the actual comic that came out was just a terrestrial fight on the streets of Metropolis with two superpowered beings that could fly in things is such a missed opportunity. Uh, I've seen a lot of artwork from the people who have been working on these comics, and I think they are making uh, making right on that. Yeah, I always thought the move with Doomsday was it should have hit the Earth like an astral body. Yeah. Like, it should have gone three-quarters of the way through the Earth. It should have messed up rotation. Something with, with some impact. Also worth noting that uh, this Alan Moore stuff, and if you wanted to just grab it in these issue formats, man, X-Men Archives issue two through six, it's a complete story. There is a beginning, middle, and end. It is a complete unit. Right here, this issue is where things start to go real. Like, what the fuck just happened, man? There's these internment camps and and uh, food lines and stuff. And there's Megan. We haven't seen her in any of the Alan Moore issues up to this point. It's all that weird shit that will be built into Excalibur that we just kind of, like, clown on. <laughs> I've read so little Excalibur. It I just, just never understood it. Like, it was one I tried, you know, it was probably 20 issues in, 10 issues in, something like that when I started. It might have been a direct market, too, in the beginning. I'm not sure. Yeah. But it was one I just, I, I tried it and just couldn't un make heads or tails of it. As a kid, man, I was a giant Kitty Pride fan, and I loved Nightcrawler. So, like, I had to give it a shot several times, and it was always, you know, when money was tight, the one that I would sacrifice would be the mullet-headed Kurt Wagner in... Uh, Excalibur. Just want to fuck with it. I thought they blew it by not making it X-Caliber as opposed to EX. I think I think that shit was like Chris Claremont trying to do like a... um, What the hell was Stephen King's uh, nom, nom de plume? Oh, yeah. Richard... Bachman. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, Richard Bachman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where he's like, you know what? I want to see if my chops can carry this thing over. It still kind of has the X sound in it, but it's not going to have the X. I think I think he was trying to do some Bachmanish type gimmicks. I want to imagine that's where the rift begins between him and Bob Harris. <laughs> Damn it, Chris! I knew we shouldn't have done that. Now look at these pages. You got a goddamn Mad Hatter. Uh, I swear to God, you see Grant Morrison still in this kind of shit in Doom and Doom Patrol comics. You know that that uh, I forget Jim Jasper's character, your 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 Mad Hatter character. Yeah, I see a lot of Grant Morrison. Totally. Doom Patrol is informed by Alan Moore's Captain Britain. Yeah, I think so. Still got those panel constructions. The way that, you know, when you see this in enough Alan Moore comics, you just know that he he laid that piece out for sure. Yeah, I was going to say Harvey Kurtzman. Right. Totally. There, there's another Doom Patrol page. Yeah, big time. I was surprised going through this how much, again, how much Grant Morrison I see in this. For sure. 
especially when it comes to playing with the superhero tropes and things. It feels like there's just a ton of these ideas. Like it must have reflected maybe what Alan Moore was reading, thinking about at the time, something. Because a lot of these ideas don't feel, they feel perfectly at home in a superhero comic, but yeah. they also don't feel like a lot of other superhero comics that I can think of. Yeah, so uh, the past week spent a lot of time kind of getting things in order in the studio and uh, came across these comics, knew that Alan Moore did these Captain Britain comics, never really gave them much of a read. Uh, cracked cracked one open, and I sat down and read them all, had to make an episode, and I plan on reading more of these uh, Alan Moore comics that, uh, I, that I've had, but I haven't really read more than one or two times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were kind of um, hard to get. You know, they were like Miracle Man, like both of these were tough series to put together as a kid. Like you knew they existed, but yeah. also like I never saw any of these things. Totally. Totally. And, and when is this even reprinted? I think in the 2000s. Like it's not like this is an old reprint. Yeah, this is 95. Oh, wow, it is. It's a lot older than I thought then. Yeah, yeah, I had no idea it was that. It went back that far. Makes the newsprint make more sense. Yeah, I totally. don't know that they were doing any newsprint post 2000, but. Right. But nevertheless, before that 95 reprinting, like you've got, you know, over 10 years where. Where are you going to find Captain Britain if it's not reprinted by Marvel here in the States? Yeah, so just over time, like, I plan on reading some more of the, the less known uh, Alan Moore works. I grabbed that Halo Jones omnibus. I got the complete DR and Quinch uh, brought to light, a small killing. Uh, over time, we've got to examine some more of those things. Uh, the, I think the Masterclass, uh, the, the BBC Maestro course, really uh, inspired me to yeah, give, give some of his, his lesser known works. A, 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 a new fresh set of eyes it's really interesting to uh go having gone through that master class to then look at comics like this which this is a job this is yeah. more being a professional writer and this was a job he got and then how does he make it interesting exactly because he talks about that in that master totally. class and you can almost see it like explore all of these characters you know make make sure they all have a place and a backstory and motivation and all this stuff exploring the world the setting like all the things that he talks about in that master class you really see it in a book like this. Totally, and and the comics that are adjacent to this, uh, you see how how they're thin compared to, you know, the work and craft that he's he's putting into the work. Um, it's an education, man. Uh, K favors like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell so we can notify you when new vids are available. Uh, hit up our Patreon. Depending on the level, you're seeing these videos being uh, streamed in uh, real time and uh, you're getting all the videos before anybody else but uh these videos are brought to you by the books that we make jimmy tell the people what is out there and what is forthcoming street angel princess of poverty is my next book it'll be out from image comics later this spring you can pre-order that one now it's all different material than street angel deadly score alive but a perfect book set with that one uh plain jane's my young adult graphic novel available in print and hulk grand design now available everywhere comics are bought and sold and you can join me on patreon.com slash to see more of my comics and art see what i'm working on next i'll be posting my latest comics on there and uh, download out of print zines and mini comics on my Patreon. The Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus is the best book that I that I ever made, and it's coming out at the end of 2023. But you can uh, you can pre-order it right at this very moment. Please do that. Over 140 pages of uh, material that is not in the first four volumes of the existing Hip Hop Family Tree series. Red Room Crypto Killers is beginning. Uh, you can get those comics ordered at this point right now, man. Here's that Jim Rug variant. Make sure you get your hands on that sketch cover variant. Peach Momoko's doing one for uh, issue one. Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit. There are two volumes of that out there. Four volumes of Hip Hop Family Tree out there. Three volumes X-Men Grand Design and WYSIWYG uh, is out there. I'm serializing new 
Red Room Comics on my Patreon right now. And uh, that's going to be the first place where you're going to see the next projects uh, I'm working on. So, so join the Patreon. All the links in the link tree in the description below this video. Jimmy, tell the people what else we have going on. Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, merchandise, hats, mugs, stickers, and more at our spread shop. That link is also under this video. Perfect way to support the channel. Given those marching orders, we'll be on our way. Read more comics.